Dear fellow citizens, Hong Kong's judicial integrity came under attack when the Central People's Government issued a white paper to set out an official interpretation of one country, two system earlier in June. The document demonstrates an attempt to undermine the rule of law in Hong Kong and to erode our core values, threatening the foundation of our faith in Hong Kong's future. The Hong Kong Bar Association elucidated three aspects in which the white paper needs clarification. Most prominent points include the MPCSC's mistaken imposition of political requirement on judges that they have to be patriotic, and its neglect of our court's constitutional authority to interpret provisions of the Basic Law on their own. Without an independent judiciary, and robbed of our safeguards guaranteed under the Basic Law, our fundamental rights will be at risk. If the legal system were compromised, Hong Kong would lose its status. As a world-class city, it'd be over. What is more disturbing is the introduction of concepts such as the complete jurisdiction and oversight by the central government, which have never been mentioned in the Joint Declaration of 1984 nor the Basic Law. The emergence of such terms bends the law in favor of the central government. It is difficult not to believe that Beijing is lifting the drawbridge after we have given them our vote of confidence since before the handover. The promise of Hong Kong people running Hong Kong with a high level of autonomy seems to have gone bad. I'm increasingly worried about the future of our city as events unfold in the months of June and July. We can see that the white paper is only a prelude to greater upheavals that are to befall Hong Kong. A couple of weeks ago. The government submitted to Beijing a report on the selection of the chief executive in 2017 and the formation of the legislative council in 2016. The report came as a huge disappointment to all of us who are eager for a real step forward in Hong Kong's constitutional and democratic development. First and foremost, it fails to state the fundamental legal basis for universal suffrage. Instead, it focuses on how a small nominating committee, similar to our current election committee, would suffice the need of a broadly representative body for nominating chief executive candidates. It even goes as far as affirming the representativeness of the existing composition of the election committee. How can it be representative when the agriculture and fisheries subsector, with only 158 corporate voters, is allocated 60 seats in the committee, whilst the education subsector, with the number of registered voters amounting to massive 92,957, is allocated only 30? The report leaves this huge flaw completely untouched. Besides, it downplays many key ideas that the public is concerned about. Such as civil nomination and political party nomination, almost eight hundred thousand people participated in the civil referendum. Ninety percent of whom supported a proposal that involves civil nomination, considered too minor to be counted as mainstream opinion, and what the community generally agrees. The report says simply that there were still considerable views that the element of civic nomination should be included in the nominating procedures. No case was provided for civil nomination, and nothing was said of how the public could be properly represented. Note that this half sentence is only inserted at the end of a paragraph that refutes the idea of civil nomination, which leads me to the third problem with this report. Section fourteen of the report misrepresents the legal sector's stance on civil nomination. It says, and I quote: 
Professional bodies of the legal sector pointed out that civic nomination was not in compliance with the Basic Law. Although the Basic Law does not endorse civil nomination specifically, the underlying objective to ensure maximum participation of the general electorate in the nomination process is not only perfectly compatible with the concept of nomination committee; it is mandated by the use of the phrase "nomination by a broadly representative nomination committee" in accordance with democratic procedures in Article 45. As expressly stated by the Bar Association, if the government uses the Basic Law merely to reject proposals regarding chief executive candidate selection, it would be misusing and abusing the rule of law. The quotation referenced by the report is clearly taken out of context. As a member of the legal profession, I find the distortion frustratingly deplorable. On the brighter side of things, we have to acknowledge Hong Kong citizens' encouraging actions. Almost 800,000 citizens voted on the constitutional development proposals and principles in the civil referendum. 1,800 legal professionals marched in silence to express disapproval of the white paper on 27th June. Over 500,000 people protested on the streets of 1st July. These acts of courage give us hope, because they show that Hong Kong people still care and would not compromise on our core values and the rule of law. These acts of courage need to be continued in our quest for democracy. However, the voice of the Hong Kong people has fallen on deaf ears. The report's emphasis on pragmatism and implementing in 2017 a universal suffrage, whatever form it takes, serves as an excuse for the government to do whatever is politically convenient. Distortion of public opinion, taking things out of context, applying unwarranted terms to our laws. The government's ingenuity in accepting the public's views is greatly disappointing. Contrary to what the government advocates, this report is not a step towards genuine universal suffrage and democracy, but a step backwards. The failure of the report to aptly reflect Hong Kong people's views seems to signify the shrinking likelihood of genuine universal suffrage. Is this all our government can do and say to the Beijing government on our behalf after so many of us protested on 1st July and so many of us voted in the civil referendum? How can we trust a government that would not fight for its people's rights? Dear fellow Hong Kong citizens, we cannot rely on our government for a democratic future. It is not the case for Beijing to issue a decree and us to comply. We need to have real choices. We need a fair system for nomination and election of our chief executive that does not involve pre-selection. We need genuine universal suffrage. Our rights, including our right to an independent judiciary, hinge on having a functional democratic system. Given the half-baked report that our government has submitted to Beijing, it becomes a stronger imperative for us. To take a stand in preservation of our dignity. Some say that the Hong Kong people are alone in all this. I disagree. We shall never be alone in one another. Yours sincerely, Dennis Kwok.